Hey guys, Maria Menunos here. Before your favorite TV after show begins, we want to let you know about my new show on Sirius XM Stars Channel 109. It's called Conversations with Maria, and it's live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Go to conversationswithmaria.com for more info. Buzz you later. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network, After Buzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after show entertainment. <laughs> TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Try, baby. We got more old school rock and roll, because that's how the sheriff rolls. We got some mountain, not Fodcat, as I originally thought, but we got some mountain. Heard this a little bit as the sheriff was, you know, teeing off on the heavy bag. But if you're watching us live right now and you're not watching the big game, we appreciate your support. Thank you very, very much. I don't know a whole lot about football, so, you know, there's no place I'd rather be than AfterBuzz TV. Welcome to episode four of the official Second Chance After Show Right here on AfterBuzz TV. My name is Ty Matthews. Yes. <laughs> My name is Ty Matthews. Man, I'm so flustered today. My name is Ty Matthews. You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Ty Matthews PMA, as always, as well as various other after shows. And joining me, as always, is my lovely and talented co-host. Hi, I'm Jamie Banks, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JamieBanks underscore. That's damn right you can. Now, for the entirety of Season 1, if you're brand new, we'll be right here every Sunday evening recapping every single episode of Second Chance up until the finale. We can't wait. If you like what we're doing, let us know. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Instagram. Tweet us. All that good stuff. If you're on iTunes, download, rate, review, subscribe. Hey, five stars if you're nasty. I'm, I'm just saying, if you really like it, leave five stars. It really helps. Uh, if you're on YouTube, leave us one of those nifty thumbs up and a comment. And uh, it'd be nice, you know, be gentle. We love you. I know you love us. We uh, love you. <laughs> but let's get into episode four, Admissions. They really, really love the wordplay, first they of do. all. They do. I think they're very creative. <laughs> that, along with the characters' mm-hmm. n- names a lot, mm-hmm. have a lot of um, meaning to them. Mm-hmm. So I think the writers are definitely enjoying that. Sure, definitely. You know, it's... It doesn't hurt to be a little bit on the nose sometimes. That's fine. Mary Goodwin. She's good. Actually, she um, someone commented on YouTube that mm. Mary Shelley's original name was Mary Godwin before she was married. Say what? So that's pretty awesome. Guys, Thanks for your comment, by the way. I need to brush up on my Mary Shelley, on my Frankenstein. That is awesome. I didn't realize. See, one of the things I thought the show, as we talked about before, the show was originally called Frankenstein and then also the Frankenstein Code. And I don't see too, too many overt references, but that... That's one That's of them. That's perfect. I love it. I love a good literature reference. Um, now let's get into the meat of the episode. First of all, what did you think about episode four, Jamie? I think it was good. Uh-huh. I think it, overall it was fun. A lot of great comedy moments, which I always love, sure. and good action scenes. And mm. so I enjoyed it. How, how do you think it compared to, to last week's episode? Because so far, I think episode three is my favorite of the season. I think, think episode three was strong in the way that the mystery was so... It wasn't so much of a mystery, but... The whole action scenes between um, Asher and Jimmy was sure. so strong that it was a little bit hard to follow up with that. Mm. But I think Dr. Kenyon was equally creepy. So definitely. that was definitely interesting, too. 
And that's the thing. A hero is nothing without a good villain. We're getting a lot of really good uh, villains of the week as it were, you know, and, and it's interesting what we, you know, what we'll get into about Liz Kenyon is that she's not quite as, as aggressive as, as Asher was last week, you know? And so I think they're, you know, they're dealing with her on a different level. You know, they kind of have to take a different approach, which is something I'm enjoying seeing. I'm, I'm enjoying seeing their dynamic and how Jimmy and Duval work, especially now that, you know, let's start from the top. Duval is not having a good time coping with the fact that Jimmy is his father brought back from the dead. I think he feels very conflicted Mm -hmm. because, as you can see, he does partly believe it. And I think even before he found out the truth, he knew that there were a lot of similarities between Jimmy and his dad, Mm -hmm. or who he thought was his stepbrother. So I think he does believe it, but he just can't wrap his head around it. Right, right. And so he feels very conflicted. Well, I think he definitely doesn't want to believe it at first. Like, it's one of those things where, I mean, imagine it, if... It's ostensibly this show is is taking place in our world right now. So imagine if if someone told you that you know if heaven forbid you had a you had a, a parent pass away, they came back in a much younger, much stronger body, and then they said, "No, look, I'm your dad." It would be very strange. It's very very and hard I to wrap your head around. And I think part of you would want like would be so happy that they're back but then you would say is it true and then you would feel conflicted and mm-hmm. it would it'd probably be kind of stressful right and it's it's one of those things what do we think makes an identity you know how much does physical appearance play a part in in who we are right or is it your soul right exactly and that's the thing i think i think another question that this is making us ponder and another thing that we're wondering is that once you've gotten to that side, once you've gotten to quote unquote the other side and you come back, if you do believe in some sort of soul, you know, that sort of concept, is that intact? You know, do you lose some of that having been dead? True. And also Duval, we don't really know his religious um, aspects, but mm. we do see him researching about afterlife. Right. So I think he's also thinking about like afterlife and if if this is really possible to. Right. And I think, yeah, even... Whether he thinks it's true or not, he's definitely interested in the concept. And so we see him searching for a lot about, you know, about near-death experiences, about people that have said they've seen the other side, about cell regeneration, the science behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the things that keeps coming up week after week is is science versus faith, I think, you know? Yeah. And so it's, you know, I, I love seeing people's different take on it. And we see, you know, obviously we see a lot of science in every episode. We even see a little bit of, you know kind of the supernatural element with Helen busting out the Ouija board. <laughs> I love that part. That was um, awesome. But one thing that that I've been noticing is that Duval, when he's under pressure, when he's in stressful situations, it looks like he becomes more like his dad than he would like to admit. You know, when he when he kind of finally has to come to grip with it, he turns right to alcohol, which is, I think, something that he would have given Jimmy endless crap for when he was alive in in his first incarnation. That is interesting. Mm. Maybe he is more similar to his father than he realizes. Definitely. And I think, how do we think he feels about that? I think it's it's bittersweet in the way that Jimmy coming back is bittersweet because I think I think he is kind of comforted by the fact that he had some things passed on from his father, but I think he also is deathly afraid of turning into that kind of absentee father. I think since he really didn't respect his father when he was young, Mm -hmm. that he really doesn't want to turn into him. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, as mentioned in the show, he wanted to live a life to make his father proud. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of conflicting there because he loves his dad, but has so much tension with him at the same time. Sure, sure. Now, what do we think about 
we see a lot of interpersonal connections between Duval and Gracie in this episode. Duval is is fiercely protective of Gracie. He doesn't want, you know, he's okay with her thinking that that Jimmy is his half brother. He obviously doesn't want her to know the truth. He wants Jimmy to kind of keep his distance. Why do we think that is? I think he's trying to protect his daughter. Mm. Just like in episode one, he didn't want Jimmy to see his granddaughter, even though he knows that Gracie loves him so much. Mm. So I think he's protecting her in a way. And also because this is such a strange thing, he doesn't want he doesn't know how to tell Gracie and he wants to be there for her, but it's so strange that he doesn't really know how. Sure. Yeah, how do you broach that topic? Guys, it's hard enough to talk about the birds and the bees. It's even harder to talk about, hey, your dead grandpa is back from is you know, he's back from the dead and he's a superhero now. And he's got super strength and he's super young and handsome and everyone loves him. And that's just a thing that we're dealing with now. And I think that's why he got so angry when Gracie was planning that presentation. He got super mad, yeah. Because it was all that frustration. Mm. Because I think he almost feels guilty. Like, she loves him so much, Mm -hmm. or she loves her granddad so much that he wants to tell her but doesn't know how. Right. So he just feels guilty. Sure. And I think think that's a really good point. I think there is a lot of guilt over... Over their relationship while Jimmy, while the original Jimmy was alive. You know, I think he, obviously there was a lot of bad blood there and a lot of resentment and a lot of things like that. And so I think Duval might have, he feels like he might be influencing how Gracie thinks about her grandfather, you know? Even though it seems like Gracie was kind of really the best friend that Jimmy had. You know, but I think there is some guilt over over the fact that maybe they didn't get as much time together as they would have liked or as many, you know, uh, bonding moments. Maybe in some ways Gracie had more of those bonding moments than Duval had with his father. Right, right, right. Um, now, this this kind of this theme of of familial lineage and and things like that keeps coming up. Obviously, we saw it last week with Asher and with Duke, things like that. This week, we see the story of Liz Kenyon and Emil Sales. Now, we see that, um, you know, back when, when Jimmy was in his original, when he was the sheriff, so to speak, um, uh, Duval made a promise to to um, the parents of this kid, Kevin Whitfield. And Kevin Whitfield was this, this brilliant, this prodigy. You know, he was a, a genius kid that had apparently OD'd on heroin. And, you know... At first glance, Jimmy looked at that and said, all right, it's open and shut. You know, it's a it's a drug addiction. It sucks, but, you know, it happens. But Duvall, he really, really thought there was something more there. And I think that's another instance of, of being like his dad. You know, Jimmy, when he was the sheriff, I think he would look at cases and think, no, there's more to this than is on the surface, you know? That is interesting. I think one of the reasons Duval really thought that there was something more to the case was because of Kevin's parents, and they believed him so much, and I think that shined through, and that's why he really wanted to take the case and thought there was something there, and I think that speaks to his fatherhood, too. Absolutely, and that's a great point. He did say that they believed in him so much that it made me believe in him. He didn't want to think that this kid that was just about to go to college in the fall would turn to drugs and would OD on heroin, so they look into it a little more and basically they find out that the therapist at Seattle State University, Liz Kenyon, is kind of she's doing what she thinks is saving these kids. You know, she had this this kind of tyrannical piano teacher when she was 12, all the way up through when she was 16, that would just push her and push her and push her to be better and better and better. And she just 
couldn't catch a break and she finally snapped and so even though the teacher Emil Sales even though he died she he's still this kind of manifestation in her head I think it'd be a lot of pressure to be that intelligent or to have an amazing skill like that mm. so I think she's pr- she thinks she's protecting them right she thinks it's from Sales in her head he's still alive but I think it's also protecting them from that pressure that society or the family would put on him mm. Yeah, and and in in this sort of this hallucination in her head, he keeps saying, "Let me have them, let me have them. I can make them perfect." And she is; she's doing what she thinks is is saving them and freeing them from that you know insurmountable pressure. Because Arthur says throughout the episode, I think it's eighty three percent of people with these huge genius level IQs have some sort of form of medication. And you know, we see a lot of parallels between them and Otto. You know, Otto he he's kind of shut off from the world because he's such a genius, because he has these gifts that makes him an outlier. Yes, I think that's why he really empathized with them mm. and took this case so personally because he thought about what if it was him. And he says to Mary that those kids had no one to protect him. Mm. And I think in some ways he was using that as justification for saving Mary because he wants to save Mary to save himself too and right. have that protector. Right. And he does. He posits that question. What would happen to me if you're gone? And, you know, this has come up in in other weeks, but it seems like at least right now. And I hope that we see, you know, him kind of grow and evolve a little bit by the end of the series or by the end of the season. But, you know, we've talked about it and he probably would most likely shut off and kind of revert back, you know, go back to his room from 1988. You know, she says Mary is so afraid of him backsliding and and coping in that sort of way. But it seems like if she was gone, that would happen on an extreme level. Definitely, because I think he would have no one but Arthur there right. for him. And right. that would be how he'd cope. That or even medication, who knows, or something like that. Right, exactly. And so over the course of this subplot featuring Liz Cannon, who is this, you know, this this school therapist that's kind of she's she's sleeping with the admissions director to get access to all of these applications for all these genius, all these prodigies, you know. And and she's using you know, she's basically using heroin to to kill them and to kind of save them. And it's I what I love is that because um, I come from a pro wrestling background and one of the things that we that we always talk about are, you know, heels and faces or good guys and bad guys, you know, heroes and villains. And all of the greatest villains, both in fiction and in history, all thought they were doing good. You know, they all thought that they were that they were doing what was genuinely right. So what do we think about about Liz basically acting like the kind of the righteous savior? That here? is very a very dark thought. Mm-hmm. But I think she probably in her head does think she's doing good and saving those kids. Right. And so it's very sick, but in her head, she is saving them. Sure. And what do we think about how that relates to the pressure of of Duval kind of growing up in Jimmy's shadow? You know, we see a lot of, I think we see a lot of that pressure. You know, we, we, we hear in this episode that kind of some of the only times that they would really get time together or time bonding is when they would be outside, you know, punching the heavy bag. So I think there's a lot of that pressure here with Duval too. Yeah, there are some parallels between her um Kenyon and the pressure she experienced as a kid and Duval and the pressure with his father. And I mm. think he really did want to prove himself to him. And they mentioned in the episode that that could be a reason why he joins 
law enforcement is right. to impress his father. Right. So I think there are some parallels there. And see, I thought that was interesting because up until this point in the series, I didn't look at, at Duval becoming an FBI agent as wanting to please his dad. It almost seemed like maybe he was doing it in spite of him or maybe to prove that he could be better than him. You know? Yeah, I I could see that point too. So mm-hmm. I guess we don't really know because we don't hear Duval's side of things. Sure, sure. But I think he could be trying to prove it to his father right. or not. And I think too. I think when it comes down to it now that they've said it, now that they've kind of shown that gun to use Chekhov as a reference, but I think I think that will end up being the ultimate case. But I felt like it was another instance of my methods are better than yours. You know, we, we've we seen so much of the sheriff, so much of Jimmy kind of acting outside of the rule book. And we see that in this episode where I think, uh, at least I felt before, that Duval becoming an agent was to kind of to kind of prove him wrong. To say that, look, things can be done by the book and you can still put away the bad guy. That is interesting. But I wonder at what age he decided to join the FBI and sure. where... in his career Jimmy was too that would all be relevant information exactly yeah and I would I would love to know yeah is this something that he wanted ever since he was a kid you know and I think that goes hand in hand with how long has he resented Jimmy for you know as a kid did he look up to his dad did he think he was a hero well we found out when he was eight years old he took the bat and um, broke his window Ah, very good yeah so I think he did resent his dad in that way Mm -hmm. and I think he saw himself uh, Duval saw himself as protecting his mom because Jimmy made his mom cry Mm. so there was some resentment early on yeah definitely and there was yeah at, at eight years old having such a backlash that he would, you know, smash his, his dad's car's window. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's very good. That's a very good point. I had completely forgotten about that, but it is, it shows how fiercely protective this family is. Because then I'm sure as Duval grew up and was a teenager, I'm sure that resentment just grew. Of course. He, I'm sure he's very spiteful. So mm-hmm. I think it just kept growing. Right, right, right. Now we talked a little bit about about Jimmy being protective, or uh, sorry, Duval being protective of Gracie. One of the things that comes up in this episode is that that works both ways. It works kind of the opposite. We see that Gracie is also very protective of Duval. You know, Jimmy knows that working on the Kevin Whitfield case is his only way back into Duval's life. And so they're looking through the attic, they're looking through these boxes, they're looking for clues. And Gracie kind of makes him promise look, you have to, you know, make sure that you're here to help my dad. And so it's interesting that that you know she's she is so protective of. Him. I think that really showed a lot about her character. I think she's really sweet, genuine person that cares about her father, mm. and she can see that um, Jimmy, who she thinks is her uncle, is bringing a lot of pain or just confusion to the family sure. and memories. So I think she's saying, if you're going to come into our life, make sure that you're bringing positivity and not more stress for my dad. Right. And she even mentions that he's been alone for so long. And I feel like it's, it's saying, well, she didn't even, he didn't even have his father for support for so long. Right, right, right. And so, yeah, I think because of that, he sort of, you know, started to get lost in his work, you know, but he, I think he makes sure not to be the same kind of absentee father that Jimmy was, but I think, yeah, having no one to turn to for support kind of made him get lost in this work and made him become the the we, agent that he we is. We haven't heard about Duval's wife or... Not did, that much, not since Gracie's episode mom. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We heard a little bit. We know that she died. We know that she died in, in episode one. But yeah, I think other than that, we don't really know too much about her. 
And so do you think do you think that more of her will come out or do you think Maybe. that just kind of has th- fallen by the wayside? I think more could come out. I uh. think it just shows that Duval has been a single dad for so long that he's been very supportive of his family. Sure. And even more so he has to be the father that Jimmy never was because he is the sole provider. Mm-hmm. So I think I would love to hear more about that story and see what happened there. Yeah, definitely. Now, another thing that, you know, one of the recurring themes of the show, of which there are many, is that it's, you know, we've we've harped on it time and time again. It's that kind of by the book versus vigilante justice. And I think this episode, episode four, we kind of got our first glimpse of seeing that, you know, sometimes Duval's method does work better. You know, we saw... Jimmy wanted to, you know, go and and visit the therapist's office and go to the campus after hours and Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, he he sees her and he sees her after she's had this huge accident and she's bloody and everything Mm -hmm. and he goes after a meal. But if he had just waited, if he had just done the research that Duval did, he would realize that Emile's been dead for 12 years. Yes. But in that plan, I wonder what he would have done because was he just going to handcuff Dr. Kenyon and just call up Duval or what? Had he caught her? What? Oh, had you, he you, mean, done? you mean if he had caught Emil? If he, no, if he had caught, um, because he because he sees Liz and then he goes after Emil, but she she's, runs she's, away. So right, right, had right, right. he just stayed with her, would, uh, would he just call Duval and say, "Here she is"? Well, I think he he was of the mindset, and I think that was another part where they kind of deviated, is that he was of the mindset, once he fi- found her, she's she's frantic, and she's saying, you have to stop him, you have to stop mm-hmm. him. And he seems to believe her right off the bat. Yeah. So I think he thinks that she's another victim of Emile's, you know, that Emile is about to kill her. Because he didn't do his research. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so he's going after this person that he doesn't realize doesn't even exist, you know? And so what do we think of of the strain that, that that further puts on their relationship? I think it put an even worse strain because had he just caught her, he could have proven to Duval that he can work with his methods and mm. he they're both on the same team. Mm. But after that happened, he almost ruined the case for him. Right. And so it just put more stress on the relationship. Sure. Now, what do we think... Going outside of the episode, kind of talking in a sort of meta kind of way, what do we think about using the device of this character that turns out to be imaginary, you know? It's very deep. Mm-hmm. And I think she kind I of... Because I wasn't expecting that sort of thing out of a show like this. Yeah. I I thought it was it was like a metaphor, mm-hmm. maybe for pressure of society. Sure. Or, I, what did you think about it? I mean, there's there are obvious parallels that you can you know that you could draw. It's there are elements of you know of Fight Club. Spoiler alert: If you haven't seen the Fight Club, <laughs> it's been out since '99. Um, <laughs> but it's it's one of those things. It's interesting as a as a device, you know, as a storytelling device, yep. and so. I'm not sure how I feel about it because it's, you know, we've seen a lot of movies and a lot of stories go back to the, oh, it was all in their head. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and so it makes oh, six sense too. Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And so it makes me wonder if there were if there were other ways that they could have maybe that they could have maybe told the story. I think I it was loved, creative. Sure. It was definitely creative. And I did love the the guy that played Emil Sales. I loved his his performance of it. It was, you know, it was very kind of. Um, it was very over the top, very kind of chewing the scenery. Yeah, it was know? interesting because you could tell she was very creepy, but then he was even more sick. Sure. So it it was very. And he's got that accent. He's got yes. that thick accent that just the best villains. I mean, look at Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber, thick accent, 
always the best. Just super, super fun to watch and compelling. Uh, but we see that, that confrontation between them at the middle school. And one of my favorite parts is that he says, uh, he says to her, you think you brought me here? I brought you here. And so what do we think? What do you think he meant by that, for one? He brought her there mm. because it was so much pressure on her, mm. I believe. So he's controlling her life even after his death. Sure. And so I think it just shows how tra- traumatic his presence was on her life mm. and how much pressure she felt growing up with those exceptional skills. Right, right, right. It's interesting. What I what I got from that is that, you know, when when Jimmy and Duval kind of finally put their heads together, you know, and it's I love how these kind of intersect, how the familial problems between Duval and Jimmy kind of overlap and give them the clues that they need to solve their cases. You know, Jimmy says, look, you wanted me to shut up. You wanted me to shut up your whole life. Even after I was dead, you wanted me to shut up. Why is that? And Duval realizes it's because even after he was gone, Jimmy was a voice in his head. Mm-hmm. And so they realize that the only way that, that Liz Kenyon can um, think of to get rid of Emile Sales, to get rid of that voice, is to go back to the starting point. And so I think in her head, she thinks that she's in control. She mm-hmm. goes back to the to the the moment of origin, back to that middle school where he first crept into her head, as they said. Mm-hmm. But then the voice of Emil or that kind of side of her conscious turns it on her and says, no, I brought you here. And so I think her mind is playing all these tricks on herself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's leading her back to the middle school because there are even more potential, one would say victims, but for her, there are chances for for redemption, for, for you know, salvation. Interesting. Uh, and I think even after that instance leaving the middle school, mm-hmm. I won't be surprised if he's still in her head because I don't think going to the middle school is just going to vanish him from his head. Right. So it's. I think she's going to have to live with that for the rest of her life. Yeah, and imagine that. Imagine she's locked up in jail and he's in there with her. It's terrible. Uh-huh. Um, you know, what? like, what do we think that that would do to her psyche, you know? And she, I mean, she can't kill anyone while she's in prison, so she can't really act upon it. Uh-huh. But I can see it, her going crazy. Yeah, definitely. And uh, and another thing that we saw in that middle school scene when, you know, she she goes after this swimmer, you know, this amazing swimmer and injects her and almost kills her. Mm-hmm. And then we see Jimmy kind of showing off his newfound powers. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I didn't put together in episode three is that, yeah, just because Duvall knows that that he's his father now or is finally starting to accept it, you know, he he doesn't know that he's also a superhero. I think it's perfect because now Duvall has more incentive to bring Jimmy on the cases because now they're an even better team because mm-hmm. he has these superpowers versus just, you know, strong man. He has superhuman qualities. So right, it's right. even it's even better for him. Yeah. And I think, yeah, once <clears throat> once Duvall saw that that Jimmy, you know, was just kind of going rogue again. I think he, you know, he even said, look, this was a mistake. You know, he, uh, I mean, one of kind of the most cutting lines of the episode is that he says, you know, go back to the twins. They're your family now. Mm-hmm. Almost in this moment of kind of disowning him. Very harsh. Mm-hmm. And he could disown him if he wanted because he could just, in his head, not accept that he's his father right. and not tell Gracie and Helen. Right. So he really could just completely cut him out of his life if he wanted to. Sure. And in a way, he kind of does. You know, he says, look, you're a great lawman, but I need you to stay away at least for a while. You know, there's no way. And he and he's right. There's no way that Helen and Gracie could 
accept that. Although I kind of feel like Helen would be more accepting because uh, we saw she had a Ouija board and sure. she seems very like free-spirited and open-minded. I think she she would be more open to the concept. She would be more open to believing it, mm-hmm. coping with it. I think that might be a different story. So we, we saw in episode one that one of the things she inherited was Jimmy's love of alcohol. And so I think something that traumatic, if it wasn't you know revealed to her little by little, might just send her back Maybe in the downward spiral. Maybe they would all need to go to family counseling or something <laughs> right, and right. solve it. But <laughs> guys, <laughs> sit down. This is your grandpa. He's back from the dead. <laughs> Let's talk this out. You know, yeah. that's I think that's a that's a whole new branch of psychology that they'd be getting into. I think Duval knowing this early in the season that uh-huh. Jimmy is his father, uh-huh. it really gives them a chance to work on their relationship because you would think that when he comes back from um, life or back from death Mm -hmm. that they're instantly perfect but no because he didn't die with everything being perfect so they have a lot of relationship building to do yeah they've got a lot of closure they need to find Um, one of the things that I love that they play with in this episode is that he is finally you know we finally see Duvall accept that that this is Jimmy, you know, and you know he's he's having a hard time with it in the beginning of the episode, but fairly quickly he comes around and says, you know, you would always come back if you had leverage, and Jimmy kind of has that moment. Oh, so you admit that it's me because he knows these things that nobody else but Jimmy would know, and so he's finally accepting that Jimmy is back. Meanwhile, Helen thinks that he's finally accepting that Jimmy is gone forever. It's kind of ironic. Mm-hmm. It's it's comical too. Yeah, definitely. I think you know she she says after he snaps at Gracie, she. Says, says, oh, it's finally happening. Your half-brother coming around is finally getting you to accept that your dad is, is gone and he's never but coming back. it's quite back. the opposite. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I love that moment. And I think that's one of the things that makes me think that she's going to have even harder of a time coping with it. Because I think that that's something that she's dealing with right now, too, is finally letting go and realizing that, look, you know, Jimmy's gone. He's never coming back. And so I think she might have an even, even harder time with it, especially not knowing Looking Glass the way that Duval did. True. Because I think Duval knowing knowing the technology and knowing the science behind Looking Glass might have been a little bit more predisposed to to thinking, okay, yeah, that could happen. I guess so. Mm. I think she notices similarities between Jimmy and Duval and who um, Jimmy and Duval, the old Jimmy and Duval, mm-hmm. um, watching. So I think she kind of does see something is going on, but she doesn't know what. And that's the thing. We see these little moments. We see these glimpses from her. You know, we see the way she looks at the Ouija board, the way that it was, it was, you know, starting to go towards yes. Mm-hmm. And obviously, and I mean, like, we know, I mean, I guess it depends on your position on Ouija board, <laughs> but we know that Jamie was probably Pushing influencing it. that a little. Yeah. And so she, she looks at that and she's a little suspicious. She seems, I think more suspicious than someone normally would at the way that Jimmy and Duval are talking outside and the way they're standing mm-hmm. and the way they're out there the way that they used to when, yes. when Duval was in trouble. And I think she can tell that they're talking about something secretive too. Uh-huh. And I wonder maybe if she heard one of their conversations, mm-hmm. what would happen? Right, right, right. Yeah, she's definitely, the suspicion is starting to build, the paranoia is starting to build, I think, mm-hmm. little by little. I think she knows Duval knows something that she doesn't. I th- yeah, yeah, definitely, and that's probably that's probably a, a recurring theme in their life and their True. relationship. You know, Duval probably knows these things that he keeps from her for her own good, probably because she's got those drinking problems that she inherited from Jimmy. Yeah. Um. One of the, you know another funny thing that that keeps popping up in this episode is 
Duval almost becoming Jimmy's dad in in sort of a way. You know, he says he says, you know, you understand, say you understand, and we have that kind of joke moment where Jimmy says, no, you can't use that on me. That's my thing. Yeah. Um. So I, it's interesting that. Not only physically, now that Jimmy is kind of in a younger body mm-hmm. than Duval's body, you know, but in in such a way that um that you know Jimmy was he was local police, he was a sheriff, whereas mm-hmm. Duval is FBI. Oh, and so I think he might be kind of holding that over him a little bit too, and kind of taking the reins as a dad now. Although Jimmy was in uniform for 30 years, Mm -hmm. so he does have the experience under his belt. Sure, sure. But I guess a different sort of experience. Right, yeah, definitely. Now, we wrap up this episode with, um, you know, Jimmy's, he's talking to to Mary at Peng's after Duval has said, look, you need to stay away from Helen and Gracie until I can figure this out, until I can figure out what to tell them. And he he orders her a, a fog cutter, which I love. I see, I continue to love the interactions <laughs> between between Jimmy and and Mary. And uh, he says that he needs a favor. He needs a favor from essentially from Looking Glass is kind of the implication. Mm-hmm. And you know it seems that because Duval Duval's boss, his superior, you know she's she's becoming suspicious because all of these cases that he's been cracking over these last few you know. I mean, weeks in our time. I don't know if it's been weeks in right. in the world of the show, but all of these have some sort of element that he's not putting in the reports. You know, he can't say, "Oh yeah, my superhuman reincarnated grandfather helped me crack this one." Yeah, and so she's starting to get suspicious. Uh, I think Jimmy knows that. Jimmy knows that they're onto her, and so he's he has Mary go in the database and kind of establish his credibility as a confidential informant. You know, and so now we saw at at the school at the university that. That, you know, the other agents can't know. Obviously, they can't know. But mm-hmm. they can't know that he's not FBI. You know, they can't know that he's just hanging around scenes with Duval. I think this was a really good move. Because mm-hmm. as the boss, she would definitely become increasingly suspicious. Sure. Because clearly there's something being left out. Especially in an office with so much corruption already. Oh, yeah. So I think it was a great move on their part. And also, it gives Jimmy and Duval more chance to get to know each other and work on their relationship. Mm. And you could see that Duval was a little bit in shock when Jimmy walked in the office door and maybe a little bit disappointed, but <laughs> right. I think it's good for them. Sure. I think, yeah, ultimately it's good for them. I think it makes things infinitely more complicated in Duval's mind. But we saw that it, it kind of worked in his favor mm-hmm. that that his old boss was corrupt. Because she says, look, I know your old boss was corrupt, but you can trust me. You can trust me with this. Yeah. And so I think that that almost gave him an alibi to kind of be hiding this Definitely. sort of thing. Definitely. Because if, if this didn't happen, I think he would just look bad for hiding something. And sure. There would always be some awkwardness there with the truth not being there. So I think it was great. Right. And I think, yeah, he doesn't want it to come off like he's using illegal means the way that, you know, Jimmy did when he was alive the first time. Um, And so, you know, she says, these reports leave me disturbed. And, you know, your, your CI reached out to me. And she even... One of the things that it seems that Mary did in terms of Looking Glass is that, you know, Duval's boss had to up her security clearance just to open his file. And the last line of the show, and this obviously heavy symbolism, loving it, it's she says, take good care of him because a source like that is hard to find. That's awesome. On the nose, guys. (laughs) 
heavy symbolism. What do we now? Now it's like you said that'll give them more of a chance to work on these cases, more of a chance to you know work on their family crap. As as Duval puts and it, and it's earlier. good because now Jimmy doesn't have to hide when the FBI show up, and right. it really gives him an alibi why he's interested in these cases. Uh-huh. And now Duval knows that he's a superhero, and so he'll like that too. But sure. He, so overall, I think it was good for them. Sure, absolutely, guys. It's just like every week, episode four, a lot to dig into. But guys, y'all know what time it is. It's time for some predictions. There we go. Ah, never gets old. Never <laughs> gets old. So, Jamie, let's get into some predictions. I Where think do you think we're going from here? We definitely need to explore the Mary-Jimmy relationship more mm. because there really wasn't much of it in episode three. Sure. So I think that will continue to develop. Mm. I also see Duval continuing to maybe go less by the book mm. and Jimmy going more by the book. Sure. I think they're sort of adjusting to each other's ways and it's kind of like a compromise as well. Exactly, yeah. They're going to meet in the middle. You know, J- you know Duvall's kind of going to kind of work a little bit looser with the rules. You know, Jimmy might request a warrant or two finally. Maybe not, but maybe. Um, but yeah, we it's true. We didn't see a lot of, of the interaction between uh, Mary and Jimmy in episode three. We see a little bit more of that in this episode. We see their kind of pep talk while he breaks the heavy bag. And she, she wants him to be more honest. You know, I think he, he thought that maybe revealing this to Duval was a little bit premature. Yeah, I think he appreciates her advice. Mm-hmm. And I think he can tell that Mary's really caring about him and they're starting to bond, but it could go a lot deeper. Right. And I think in terms of, in terms of my prediction, I think that, that Duval, or that Jimmy rather, is on the money. I think he, you know, he was of the mindset that while he was his half brother, he could kind of get a little bit closer. But now that, now that Duval knows and accepts that Jimmy's his father, that resentment from when he was alive the first time is just gonna come right back. back. You know, so I think, I think we might get to a moment where Duval just ices him out completely until something hugely traumatic happens. I also can see either Helen or Gracie finding out more information and becoming increasingly suspicious. Like maybe they'll overhear something right. or see something weird, but I can definitely see that happening. Yeah, definitely. And we saw, you know, during the credits, we saw a, a little bit of glimpse of, of what's going on on the next episode. And, you know, just gleaming the little bit from that, maybe 20, 30 seconds, we see that Mary is in some deep trouble. You know, how do we think, how do we think Otto's going to react to that? He's so protective. So mm-hmm. I can see him kind of freaking out and wanting to assist her, but there's only so much he can do. Although looking glass is so powerful. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And that's, and that's another thing. That's what I'm saying. The power of looking glass is going to be someone's downfall. I don't know who it is, but guys, you saw Terminator 2. You saw Skynet. Judgment Day is coming. Shit's going down. Uh, but a lot to go into in this show. I mean, I'm loving the way it goes. I still, I think I still preferred last week just with that emotional punch, that Star Wars moment. It's your father. You know, love it. I'm loving it. But 
as always, we'll be right back here, same bat time, same bat channel, talking episode five. But for now, Jamie, where can they find you? Find me on Twitter and Instagram at JamieBanks underscore, and I always try and tweet back. So looking forward to hearing from you. And that's true. She is on it. She's on YouTube. She's on Twitter. She is interactive. Thank you. We like Thank our you. interactive hosts, you know? <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, and like I said at the top of the show, if you like what we're doing, tweet us, follow us on Instagram, rate, download, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We love hearing from you. That's why we're doing it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Ty Matthews PMA. Should be right down there, right down on the screen. If not, I look like an idiot. But hey, <laughs> who cares? Uh, you can find uh, all of that stuff. You can find me on various other after shows, Monday Night Raw, The Magicians, Pitch Slapped, Lucha Underground, brand new. Check it out. Uh, but guys... Thank you again. Thank you for joining us rather than the big game. Yes, unless thank you're listening you. to this after the fact, in which case. Thank you for uh, both. It's, it's the best of both worlds, you know? <laughs> Who cares? But until next week, guys, take a chance. Peace. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Afterbuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the Afterbuzz TV Network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.